so before I forget, I want to just let you know that this is an open invitation, a continually open invitation to accept Jesus Christ. From the time I started to pray, the invitation has been open. If you are here this morning and your life is not right with Jesus Christ, and you may hear the Spirit of God say to you in a moment while you're sitting there listening to one of the scriptures, it's time to make a decision. You don't wait on me to give an invitation at the end of this message. At that moment, you talk to God. You talk to Jesus and you say, have mercy on me. Forgive me. For those of us seeking this morning and those who don't know that they need to be seeking, the Word of God teaches that we need to repent and we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Word of God says in Acts 17.30, In the times of this ignorance... God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. I like what Martin Luther said in his first thesis when he placed that 95 thesis on the door in Wittenberg. And this is what he said. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read his 95 thesis. In the thesis number one, he said, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, in Matthew 4, 17... He willed that the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Our Lord and Savior said that we need to have a change of mind. And this morning, our sister mentioned there was many minds being changed in this ministry. But there's minds, there's people who are making their minds up not to abort their soul, the souls of these children. But there's some people in here this morning need to make up their mind not to abort their soul to the devil. You need to have a change of mind immediately. Or you will go to hell. And you will not escape. And I'm not trying to be scare tactic mode. That's just as serious as it gets. But the Lord said, and we also need to exercise a true and sincere, heartfelt faith and trust in Jesus Christ when he said in John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Is this really what your heart believes and trusts in totally more than anything else that's inside of you? Do you believe this more than trusting in yourself to get by in life? Are you hoping that what you've done is enough? I'm here to tell you what you've done is not enough. It will never be enough. Only what Jesus Christ did is enough. Do you believe that? He died and rose again from the dead to save you of your sins. He is a Savior because we need to be saved. That's the truth. So, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you here have been baptized? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you here have believed 100% that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. And you were baptized not by coercion, not because they made you to, not because you felt you had to, because really you, you felt that Christ was calling you to obey him and his message to follow him 
as he commands. Raise your hand if you did that, if that was why you were baptized. Amen. I want to tell you something this morning. The Bible says that you are dead. The Bible says you are dead. When you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ that way, you made that heartfelt decision. Those of you that raised your hands, the Bible said you died to yourself. And so, let me ask you a question. Are you living like you're dead to your ways? Or are you still trying to live for what you want? I'm blessed to be able to encourage many pastors and visit many churches. And I get to be around a lot of church circumstances, and I see a lot of things. And I, I, I don't know everything that's going on here, but I know about things that go on in church. And I know about attitudes. And I know about philosophies and mindsets in churches. And so, in many churches you find, I'm going to share a few kind of groups of people that I've found in churches. And I'm not going to touch them all, but I want to share a few of them with you. In churches today, you find a lot of different kinds of people in different places in their faith. There are those who are new and are on fire for the Lord and loving everything they're learning and want to serve Jesus more. And they're pretty much fearless. They're excited. They're pumped up. They want to go out and serve. They want to, they want to do everything they can for the Lord. It's kind of like a, they've just been, they've just married, gotten married to, to the person they, they didn't even know loved them so much, and they realize that they love them, and they want to serve them with all their heart. There's that group of people. There are those who know a lot about the Bible, yet they do very little with it. They don't call anyone. They don't encourage anyone. They don't send a message to their lost friends and seeing how they're doing. They don't really want to serve anybody else. They're not really concerned about making disciples or obeying Christ's command of the Great Commission. And they're really not telling anybody about Jesus. Shame on you if you're one of them. There are those who have been a Christian for 5, 10, or 15 years and still have not read or listened to the Word of God in its entirety. And it really doesn't bother them that much. Shame on you if that's you. If you've been a Christian, if you've said, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ and been baptized, and you have not read or heard the Word of God in its entirety within the first two years of that decision, something is wrong. Something's wrong. Something needs to change. There needs to be a change of mind. Christ, who died and gave his blood to save your soul on that cross, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Something needs to change. There are church growers who are actively studying the word and growing and striving to serve, support their pastor in the vision that the Lord has given to him and want to be used by God. Praise the Lord that you are obeying the word of God. It is you that God is calling to make a difference right here in this community and in other communities and throughout America and throughout the world. 
I encourage you to keep moving forward if that is you. There are those who like the feeling of being in church because it makes them feel good. And it becomes really a substitute for true faith in Jesus Christ. Be careful, those of you who are in this group, because you are committing idolatry. What idolatry? The idolatry of that you thought and you think that this is about you. This is not to make you feel good. This is to save your soul and to bring people into eternal life. And this is about God's glory. It's not about if they sang a good song or you like the praise song or if you like the way things are done or all the methodology. It's not about any of that. It's not about you. You don't come to church to make you feel good. You come to church to learn how to serve Jesus and you go out these doors and then you do it. That's what it's about. You need to change your mind. The way you're thinking is wrong. There are those who are seeking and have not yet made a total decision to surrender to Christ, but want to know more. I encourage you. Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep trying to read your Bible. If it gets hard, just, just go push forward. Walk by faith. Ask questions. Talk to the pastor. Talk to someone. You can actually see the Spirit of God. or they, You can see something's different in that person. Talk to that person in that church, in this church. Find that person and talk to them. Ask them questions. Ask them to help you understand what the Word of God is saying. You're on the right track, but you've got to keep moving forward. Do not let the devil distract you because that's what he's trying to do. Say, get away from me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. The devil was at work, even in churches, if you didn't know that. Some of you have come in here with the mindset that the devil has given to you. And you need to let it go. Christ is wanting to set you free from that today through his word. And there are those who have been in church for a while and are fighting a spirit of fear. They want to learn how to share their faith with another person they care about and they love, but at the moment they feel inadequate and afraid and even terrified to even try that sometimes. Well, you as well, I want to share with you, you got to start fighting harder by the Word of God. You say to that spirit of fear, get away from me, fear, in the name of Jesus. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. You just need to keep hearing the Word of God and growing in your faith and trusting in what it says. And Christ and His Holy Spirit will give you the strength to overcome that fear as you learn. Try to learn how to share the gospel. Try to learn new, new verses, memorize Bible verses, because there's someone's soul right outside this door that needs to hear from you. And I'm talking to those that raised their hands and said that they really have put their faith in Christ. Those who have not made that decision, then it's time to make a decision to start. And again, the invitation is open. That wasn't a sermon, but we're getting ready to start it, okay? The Lord's business is what I want to talk to you about this morning. The Lord's business. Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 2, 42 through 49. Luke chapter 2, 42 through 49. 
I don't know where you're at this morning, but if God's speaking to your soul in any way already, you talk to him, you just bow your head and you close your eyes and you talk to him. And if any time he begins to speak to your soul in that still small voice and telling you something needs to change, you obey him and you do that. Luke 2, 42 through 49 says this. We're talking about the Lord's business. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, in the church, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all they and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not, or did you not know, that I must be about my father's business? Today we find a lot of topics about business in America and throughout the world. The world is consumed with the idea of business. I looked it up the other day on Google. How many of you used Google before? Right? And I looked up the idea of business. I just put in the topic business. And I come up to see these, these articles that are on there. And the first one says, turn your dreams into a reality. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 30 best business ideas for the USA. Be your own boss. Start today. What I found when I've been living in Honduras over his last 11 years, coming with an American mindset, is that man can actually live with a lot less than what he thinks he can live with. It's just that we think we need a lot more. But our Lord was poor, wasn't he? He said the Son of Man doesn't even have anywhere to lay his head. And look what he did. Look what those that followed him did. But it does require a sacrifice to do the Lord's business. It does require faith. Many churchgoers are extra busy because of their work, entertainment, and pleasure. They have fallen into the trap of Satan and are fulfilling the prophecy that says that in the last days that mankind would be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Many church churchgoers are in a constant battle with secret vices because they have not been careful to cultivate their faith by faithfully praying and seriously meditating upon the word of God. Is that you this morning? Are you in vi a vice, a secret one? Is Satan trying to buffet you and slap you around and make you feel humiliated because of your sin? Satan is very close to overcoming some even in here today. 
He's trying to overcome you. He's trying to destroy you. He hates you. He hates your grandkids. He hates your kids. He hates your family. He hates every one of you. And if you continue to listen to his voice, he will destroy your family. This is serious stuff, guys. This is as serious as it gets. This isn't a game. And he says, instead of grabbing a Bible, I'm sharing with you on what's going on, instead of grabbing a Bible, these churchgoers keep a tight grip on their sports, shopping, their phone, their fun, and their remote control. They have forgotten to take serious the frightening words of Christ. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Multitudes of churchgoers are too busy or too engulfed in vices to care about faith unless it be and focused on themselves. Trust in self. That's the big religion that goes against Christ, isn't it? Did not Satan say, just eat of it, and you'll be like God. Well, the Lord saw the indifference toward himself and our neighbor's soul in his last warning to the church when he said to the church of Laodicea, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, or I will vomit you out of my mouth. As many as I love, and the Lord does love you, more than you can ever imagine, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore. Be serious. Change the way of your thinking and repent. Now, this, is, this repentance is explained carefully so that no one in the church misunderstands what it looks like and what kind of repentance he's talking about. When in the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 7, now, Paul speaking, speaking to the church in 1 Corinthians, he sent them a letter in 2 Corinthians 7, says, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorry to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance, to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. That means you, you looked at your sin and you really thought, I need to stop. You were careful not to keep sinning. You were careful to turn away. You realize what you did to Jesus on that cross. It was your sin and my sin that put him there. And you realize that. And so you want to turn away and hate your sin. You look at it differently. What indignation. 
<sighs> I can't stand that sin in my life. I can't stand it. I want nothing to do with it anymore. That's what it looks like. That's what it really looks like to have the Spirit of God in your life. Yea, what fear? You're worried about letting Christ down. Now you're worried about doing what's wrong in His sight. Not that you will save yourself by your deeds, but you love Him. His grace is in your life. He's changed you. You don't want, again, to let Him down. As you know, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You understand that. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. What passion to do what's right for Christ. To be holy, to be different, to be unique. Yea, what revenge. In other words, you ain't going to give the devil no more chances to laugh at you. You're going to show him that you're going to follow Christ. You're not going to give in to what he's been trying to tell you about what you need to be doing to make you happy. You're going to serve the Lord. You're going to make the devil mad. And it's a good thing if the devil's mad at you. That's a good thing. But if he's not, something's wrong. And it says, yeah, you've been approved yourself. You've approved yourself to be clear in this matter. If Anybody should have been ready and prepared for Jesus to start his earthly ministry and rejoice to see it in action, then surely it would have been or would have had to have been Joseph and Mary, right? Look at me with, in Luke 1, 35-38, talking about the Lord's business. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And when Joseph had experienced his experience with the angel, it says in Matthew 1, 19 through 21, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And Jesus, his name meaning the Lord, is salvation. Again in Matthew 2, 12 and 13, And being warned of God, Joseph again, in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And Luke 2.19, it says, 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What things did Mary keep in her heart? Well, one, the angel Gabriel's visit. Wasn't a small thing to see an angel talking to you, right? The dream that Joseph had that allowed them to get married and to be a family. I can imagine Joseph coming to her and said, listen, Mary, I had a dream. And listen, he told me, I got to marry you now. I'm gonna, we're going to do this thing. We're going to get it done. We're going to get married. I know you was worried about it, but the Lord spoke to me and showed me. But you know, in our own life, God does things in our life and speaks to us and shows us which way we need to go because we really don't know, do we? But God, when we pray and we trust in Him and we depend on Him, He speaks to us and shows us the way in which we should go. And we know it's Him. We know that was the Lord showing us. And then that unique star they observed in the heavens that shined upon Jesus at His birth. Imagine that, looking up in the stars at various times in your life, and all of a sudden you've got this one star right above your child who was just born. Surely she had not forgotten about this. And three wise men who brought them strange gifts from a far country. Strange men from a far country bringing you these wealthy, amazing gifts for your child. How many, is that, how many people have ever had that happen to them? And then the shepherds in the field who gave testimony to what they had seen. The daily observation of the behaviors of a perfect child. Every day watching Jesus, listening to him. And let me tell you something. Jesus started discipling, first and foremost, his own family. And so should you and I. Jesus began to disciple Joseph and Mary from a very early age. And so should you and I disciple our family, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Take every opportunity we have to share the Word of God with our family. But the devil doesn't want us doing that, does he? He's trying to do everything he can to keep you from doing it, isn't he? I often call America Disneyland. I didn't used to think it was that way, but living in Honduras, I can see it a little bit more clearly now. We're caught up in a bubble here. And when you're in a bubble, sometimes you don't even realize you're in one. The Word of God is the only one that can pop that bubble this morning. And I hope He pops it for you. I hope you let Him. The way in which they miraculously had their first child. In Luke 2, 28-35, there's an encounter with a guy by the name of Simeon. Listen to this. In Luke 2, 28-35... On the eighth day of Jesus' life, they took him to be circumcised as the, as the word of God commanded. They took him up, uh, talking about this guy Simeon, he was, a, he was a just man, he was a godly man, and he was told, he was uh, advised, he was explained to by the Spirit of God, told him that he would see the salvation of Israel before he died. And he was constantly praising and serving God and trying to do what the Lord had called him to do. And the Spirit of God moved him into the temple. At this very hour, at this very moment, when Jesus was there getting circumcised, and he saw Jesus, and the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, this is the salvation. He is the salvation of Israel. And listen to what he does. 
He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. He called himself a servant, which is what we are. We are to look at ourselves as servants of Christ. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph, his mother, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. She, they marveled. They marveled. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. The people of Israel fell because they did not believe in Christ, but they will rise again, those that put their trust in him very soon. There will be a revival in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. And a reference to the word of God speaking to our hearts. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. If you think you're here this morning and you're hiding your thoughts and your motives, your intentions, and your ideas and your ways... From God, it's not hidden. Christ has come to explore your heart this morning. To eradicate the things that the devil has been building upon year after year. The lies he's built upon. The devil, is, he's built this huge, this huge onion of lies century after century. And it's layer after layer you've got to peel back through the word of God. Only the Word of God can peel off this lie and this lie and this lie and this lie. This morning, Christ would like to set you free from those lies. Well, Mary and Joseph, they were religious. They always went to Jerusalem every year for Passover. Mary and Joseph were serious about their relationship with God. They saw they had a son that was in every way different, different from other children. He was holy. They didn't know exactly what to do with holy. They had other children and life was in full motion. There were mouths to feed, work to be done, and responsibilities that needed to be taken care of. Does that sound like your family? Is there a lot of work to be done, mouths to feed, things you got to get done? Well, they knew that they knew what was right, but their own busyness, their own business and activity had caused them to lose sight of Jesus, both literally and spiritually. They had at least seven children, including Jesus, according to Matthew 13, 55, and 56. All right, where you get that from, brother? I haven't read that before in Scripture. Matthew 13, 55 through 56. Is not this the carpenter's son? Carpenter. Joseph had a business. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, not sister, at least two, and then Jesus? There's at least seven children in this home. How many of you got seven kids here today? I ain't got, I just got one. The Lord told me and said, you can't handle that. Some of you can. I praise the Lord for you can. I, I wasn't one of them. But thank the Lord for the children he's given us. Amen? 
Even so, we see a sermon from the mouth. From the mouth of Jesus rise a correction, a serious exhortation for Joseph and Mary, even with all their children and activity, there is absolutely no excuse for missing God's vision for your life. God does not give an excuse if you have one or ten children. There is no excuse for it. And this is what he says. This was done for their family and for all Christian families who fall into the trap of busy and losing sight of God's business. It could be argued that Mary and Joseph were in some ways the first Christian family. could be argued that. Jesus starts his sermon with the words, How is it that you are seeking me? It is as if he were saying, How is it that you are seeking me in order to make me stop focusing on the business of my Father? Have you forgotten what you have seen and heard from my angel? Our Lord is telling them that their way of thinking needs to change. This same message he is giving to our families this morning. God's business has been neglected, ignored, and forgotten, and things must change. He said in Malachi 1.6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts. That word host means the armies. Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? Even those who are leaders of churches can find themselves despising the command of Christ. How much more so those who don't even lead churches sometimes can find themselves in these predicaments. What predicament do you find yourself in? You got caught up in America's business? The American dream? Is that really what God called you to? What he's calling you to? Our Lord continues his sermon to Mary and Joseph as a 12-year-old boy when he says, Wist ye not? Or did you not know? Did you not have enough information about me and my mission? Were you not told and was it not explained to you? I fear that these same words will be heard on the day of judgment for even some here today. Did you not know? Did you not have my word? Was it not explained to you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? I hope that it happens to no one here. But the chances are it will happen to some here. Listen to what the Word of God says in Hebrews 10, 28 through 29. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. 
If you think that because you made a decision to give your life to the Lord and you were baptized, yet you live like Satan, yet you reject God's commands, the word of Christ, you don't want to serve him, you don't want to listen to him, you don't want to be faithful to him, you want to do it your way. If you think it's going to be well with you, you are mistaken. It is a grave error that you are committing. And I hope you're not in that, that situation this morning. Hardly one church person would consider that this text could apply to themselves, honestly. But I want to testify to you today that no church person will be able to make an acceptable excuse for his or her business in the judgment. Listen carefully to what our Lord said in the book of Luke 14. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see to it. Lord, I got to go see my land. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yokes of oxen. I got to go test them out. I got to go prove them. I got some new equipment on my business. I got to go see if it's working right. I got to go check it out, God. I ain't got time to do what you're saying. I know you're right. You're exactly right. I need to be doing it, but I just don't have time right now because I got to test my equipment out. I got to make sure my business is good. it. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry. Yes, God does get angry. said to a servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And hasn't the word of God said that God has chosen the poor in this world rich in faith? Unfortunately, the rich, which we are rich in America, we're filthy rich. No, but brother, I don't have them barely getting by. But you're rich. If you want to see poor, you can come hang out with the rest of the team in Honduras. We'll show you a little bit better example of what poor looks like so you can get a better perspective on it. Don't let your soul be poor this morning. Amen? The words of Christ pierce through our selfishness and our business. They pierce through. What will you do with his word this morning? Our Lord continues his correction toward Joseph and Mary with the words, I must be. Or in other words, I have to be. And not in the sense or when one is obligated to do something by force or against their own will, but on the contrary, when one does something with all of their will and with all of their heart out of the most pure and beautiful love. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Because I love him. I know him. He's perfect. His love is... You can't even begin to put a word or an expression in any language of what it's like. I just need to tell you that I must be about my father's business. And when you look at Christ by faith, you start to sense what love really is. But if you don't look at him by faith, you never, ever find out what love really is. It's impossible for you to begin to understand it. Some of you this morning would say, I want that love for my life. 
the good news is, is that it's here for you. This heart of true and real love can only be produced in a churchgoer when he hears the word of God by faith and sees his own sin and obeys Christ and learns to hate self, self-trust, and self-dependence and begins to call on Christ to be merciful to him as the publican who went up into the temple and he said this, Standing afar off, he would not even lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He understood that he wasn't a little sinner. He was a huge sinner. He was a terrible sinner. He was horrible. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know that I'm bad. I know that I'm no good. And if you've come in here this morning thinking you're good, May God liberate you from that lie of Satan. Because there is only one good in this story. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you're going to be saved, you need to feel the weight of your sin. And it needs to be heavy. It needs to be great. And you need to believe that there is a way to be forgiven of it. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, Jesus said, rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Our Lord declares plainly in Luke 14, 26-27, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple." And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Our Lord concludes his sermon to Joseph and Mary with the words about my father's business. They had forgotten the message from the angel of the Lord that said, He shall be called the Son of God. Jesus is is Mary and Joseph's first child, and yet he is God's son. How many of you know how special your first child is? You know when you have that first child? It's, it's special. It's just unique, isn't it? And this was that to them. They were, they were sorry and they couldn't find him that day. But he is God's son. And if you have been born again today, you are a child of God. The son is exalting his heavenly father and telling Mary and Joseph that he came from God because he himself is God, actually. And they need to no longer view him as their possession. Some people say, my Jesus, my Jesus. I understand. I understand what's meant by that. But Jesus is God. And we need to look at him that way. We are His creation. We belong to Him. Now it is time for you to start imitating me, Jesus is saying in other words, and follow me in obeying my words. I came to reveal the one true and living God the Father. Remember what you were told, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, or the Lord Jehovah is salvation. For he shall save his people 
from their sins. Believe this, receive it, accept it in your heart as it is written, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yet if you refuse to believe in the way in which Jesus says you ought to believe, and the scripture commands faith, and there is a false faith, and there is a true faith, the devils believe and tremble, don't, do they not? But they will not be in heaven. But yet they fear God, maybe even more than some here this morning. Maybe you've never feared God in your life because faith has never really been activated, never really put your trust totally upon what God says. Well, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And in Jude 1.5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. But if you will receive this this morning by faith, then you will see the need to get rid of many activities that make no sense as a child of God. What are those activities really? Did God call you to make more money? Or did God call you to win souls and preach the gospel and make disciples and teach people what he said? What did he really call you to do? And I'm talking to the church. I'm not talking necessarily those who have not been born again. I'm talking to those that raise their hands. You're dead. You died in Christ. It's time to start helping these ministries whether it be the Pregnancy Center, whether it be Honduras, or whatever. It's time to let God use you in your ministry to make a phone call, send a message. Stop wasting time. There can be no other greater sacrifice to try to get you to come to a place to where you will love Him more. If Him dying on the cross wasn't enough, to make your attitudes and your lives change and your mindsets be different, then nothing ever will be enough. Nothing. It is time to be busy in an eternal way because he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We should walk in them. Is this not what the man of God preaches here from his pulpit, from this pulpit every Sunday? Does not Brother Larry share these things and encourage you every Sunday in this way? In this way? I, honestly, I've, I think I've heard one sermon from Brother Larry. I enjoyed it. It was good. I know he loves God. We've talked before, and it's been a while back, where we sat in his office and we talked and we talked about the Word of God, we talked about missions, we talked about His vision for the church, but I know He loves God. If He's giving the example He needs to give, then it behooves you to follow that example, to come alongside of Him and support what God is doing through this ministry. Listen to and obey the words of your Lord and your King when He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. They're not grievous. If you love me, do you love him? We would say probably that we do. But in order to love him, we have to love the souls of our neighbor. You have to be concerned about where that person's soul, that woman that was on that video, I can see her face replaying in my mind, and I can see how she's so passionate about the change that's happened in her family, about the words that were shared to her about the word of God. Somebody obeyed Jesus, started serving in that pregnancy center, not all of us are going to serve in a pregnancy center. Not all of us are going to go to Honduras. But you can start right where you're at. I talked to a couple of brothers in here the other week. Said they were going and preaching the gospel in the streets. And that was, that's awesome. Everybody should be preaching the gospel to somebody. Sharing the word of God with somebody. If you have really received Christ. Talking in Philippians, a pastor's heart, you know, Paul, he was, often pastors go through a lot of times, they, it's, a, it's difficult. It's very, it's super difficult. It's the hardest job on earth to be a pastor. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of weight that you have to carry around. You have to, there's a lot of burdens, a lot of prayer. But Paul was working in Philippians 2, 19 through 22. He wrote this, but I trust and the Lord Jesus has sent Timothy shortly unto you, that also may be of good that also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul was concerned about the souls in the churches. And I know Brother Larry is concerned about each and every soul here today. But you also need to start catching that vision to be concerned about souls. You also need to catch that same heart. Be seriously concerned about souls. For he says, I have no man like-minded. He had Timothy. He was discipling Timothy and training him. And Timothy caught the vision. But I don't have anybody else like him, he said, who will naturally care for your state. I, I want to make sure you're taken care of spiritually. He said, but I don't have many people like him. But I, In other words, I'd really love to have a lot more people like that. But he says this in verse 21, For all seek their own, not the things which be of Jesus Christ. If you have been born again here this morning, it's time to stop seeking your own. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he has served me in the gospel. So we've come to a time now. I asked you and told you before at the beginning that if at any time the Spirit of God was speaking to your heart during this message, you bow your head and you talk to God. You make a decision. Did the Spirit of God at all speak to you through His Word this morning? If He did, I want to invite you to bow your head right now. I am nobody. I'm just dust. Right now I'm standing, but shortly I won't be. But this word that was spoken to you this morning is eternal. 
And if you want to live eternally, you've heard it. And now it's time to make a decision. Whether to accept it or to reject it, I don't know. That's between you and God. But the word was shared with you this morning. Do you need to do business with God this morning? Maybe there's some business that you've been knowing that needs to be taken care of for a while now. The Lord's here. Jesus loves you. His word has been shared with you this morning. And now it's up to you to make the decision to obey by faith. So I want to invite you to stand, if you will. I don't know how you normally do this, these invitations, but I want to invite our, I don't know if uh, we can invite some of the musicians up for a moment to maybe even play the guitar for a minute and just give you a, a second to reflect upon what you've heard this morning. I don't know if that's what was done or maybe it's not done, but uh, if not, let's just bow our heads. Let's give every, every, everyone a moment here this morning to think about and reflect upon the Word of God, what Jesus said in His Word. If you need to make a decision this morning and you'd like to maybe have myself or, or Pastor Larry pray with you about something that's going on in your life, Jesus came and he gave his, himself for you because it's like that a young lady I talked to recently and she didn't really know much about Jesus. And the Lord said, tell her this, if you'd have been the only one on this earth, Jesus said, I would have come and died for you. You are important to God. But you are not more important than his word. So come to him this morning. Let him transform your life. Let him save your soul. If you're here this morning and you're not really, you're, in fact, you know that there's an emptiness inside. You know that there's something missing. Christ is calling you this morning. The gospel says very clearly, for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son. God did that for you. If you would believe in him, believe from your heart, let him be Lord of your life. Just call on him. Say, Lord, save me. Just like that sinner did. God, have mercy upon me. Everything will change so that you can serve him the rest of your days here on this earth. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the power of your word. We ask God that your Holy Spirit continue to convict and transform minds. I thank you for Diamond Hill Baptist. I thank you for the vision, Lord, that you've put in their place, in their heart, in, their, in this, in this, in this uh, sanctuary this morning. I thank you because I know things don't happen by coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence that they are here today, and it's not a coincidence that we're here today. And Lord, your Spirit's always present. And so, Lord, I ask that the changes that need to be made, that they be made with a serious heart, a serious resolve and that business be done for you from here on out. May you encourage Brother Larry. May you raise up men and women here from this church, missionaries in America, missionaries in North Carolina, 
missionaries in Statesville, servants, teachers, ministries, Lord, from this place. Raise them up, Father, in the name of Jesus. Raise them up. May the church begin to pray like it's never prayed before. May there be unity and may there be salvation. If there is one here this morning, Lord, who has not given their life to you, Lord, this quiet in their heart that they may make that decision. And if they'd say, I'm afraid or I'm embarrassed or whatever or whatever it may be, God, don't let them go today. Tonight, maybe. Maybe when they're at home, make them reflect upon the word. Lord, give it, send it to their mind at least. Give them another chance. But Lord, right now, if there's some here, hear them calling, calling out to you to be saved. Send your Holy Spirit to those who are sincere and calling upon your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.